Hello, friends. This is Derek Kistner, founder and executive director of the Greater Peoria House of Prayer. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. Whether you're hearing from me, my wife Mandy, or a trusted leader, it's my hope that it would serve you well in your walk with Jesus. Maybe you're listening at home here in central Illinois, maybe in your vehicle, or even somewhere on the other side of the world. However you're tuning in or wherever you are, it's my prayer that what you hear helps you to love God, His Word, His Spirit, His Church, and the people you interact with each and every day. Thanks again for listening, and may the grace of God fill your heart as you listen to the following message. So Heavenly Father, we thank you for another opportunity to hear your word and be together and, and intercede with uh, the things that are on your heart. And uh, just thank you for those who are gathered in the room and those who will tune in on Facebook, Lord. We're, we're just wanting to experience more of you tonight. Uh, Holy Spirit, encourage hearts here, refresh hearts. Lord, it, it speaks of times of refreshing when we turn to you. And so, Lord, as we turn to you tonight, Lord, refresh hearts. Exhort, inspire. Open your word to us tonight. Lord, as we look into the life of Peter, Lord, I pray for even just truths to connect with our hearts as we look at this uh, wonderful servant that ran well. And, and just make this real to our hearts tonight. Holy Spirit, help me as I communicate and help all of us to hear what you would say to us as individuals. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen, amen. amen. We're going to look at the restoration and leadership of Peter. Uh, some of you have kind of been here throughout this series. So this is the Book of Acts series. We're going to continue Along these lines, um, and, and just right before I, I jump in here, I do want to say thank you to my wife, Mandy. She preached the last time two weeks ago when we were here. Excellent message. That's online. You can listen to that on our website. I'd, I'd encourage you to check that out. It's nice to be married to a, a preacher lady. Yeah, I mean, I, I married up, man. I mean, you just, <laughs> you just married someone more anointed, so I'm, I'm thankful for Mandy. And uh, she brought it a couple weeks ago, and... I've listened to it, so you got the upper level seats, man. How'd you get those? Oh, that's a great seat. <laughs> that, those are like the, uh, the box seats, man. Those are for our VIPs. So you got to be pretty special to be up there. Um, yeah, so we're going to look at the life of Peter. And in particular, we're going to look at the low point that he experienced and how the Lord restored him. And then in the book of Acts, you see Peter go to a whole new level. And the, the truth is we all go through low, low, low points, dark seasons. Peter is not an exception. We all go through really hard things. And it's, you know, it's different for everyone, but the reason I, I love the story of Peter is because he is one of those guys where you're like, praise God, I can make it because Peter made it. You know, he went through all of the things he went through, and we'll look at those, and yet we see the, the glory of Jesus in restoring him in such tenderness and compassion and putting him back into the place he was called to be. I'm thankful that Jesus is like that. I mean, he could have been way more stern. I mean, he's God. He can do whatever he wants, right? He could have been like one instance of disobedience and you are no longer called to be a leader. I mean, he could have demanded things that were so beyond our ability to do. And yet, the, the author of Hebrews says we have this sympathetic high priest who understands that we're weak. And you see that played out in the life of Peter so beautifully. At, at Peter's worst moment, you don't see kind of this stern Jesus with his finger pointed. I told you, you hypocrite. Ah, you're done. You know, we, we see this compassion. And we'll look at John 21 here and, you know, halfway through the message. But there is almost nothing more beautiful than that scene in John 21 where the Lord begins to kind of put that healing balm on Peter's heart. 
to, re, to renew his calling. But before we get there, I want to just look at a little bit of the backstory of Peter. <laughs> the backstory, because to kind of appreciate the restoration of Peter, you got to kind of be familiar with some of the things that he was like. And, uh, and we know most of them, but this is under number two of the notes. We know about how zealous Peter was. Peter was this young, you know, zealous, fired up, just like we all were when we first got saved. I mean, he's a teenager, maybe early 20s at the latest, very young man, fisherman, and he, Jesus calls him, you know, he says, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. We all know the story. Peter leaves his occupation. He goes to follow the Lord. And he wants to be fully dedicated. I mean, he he says this to the Lord on a number of occasions. He says, no matter what, if everybody renounces you, even to death, I'm going to follow you. I mean, he, he, in his many words, he said that Jesus said, you guys are going to forsake me. You're going to deny me. I already know in advance. Even if everybody denies you, I surely won't, says Peter. We see that in Matthew 26, 35. We see that in Mark 14, 31. We see a number of incidents. Peter, I'm going to be the faithful one. I'm going to be the one that's dedicated when no one else is. That's what his young, zealous heart was full of. And that's not bad, but it was just really immature. And we all start that way. So he had this vision to be mightily used by God. He's fired up. He wants to be totally dedicated. Many of us do too, and that's good. You know, Peter began to get a few prophecies. Jesus says, Peter, you're a rock. Peter has no idea what's in the future, but he just, he's like, ooh, yeah, guys, I'm the rock. Just so you know, you know, he's probably relishing in that just like we do when we get a prophecy. You know, when we get that word, you're going to be the greatest thing ever. You know, we're like, yeah, I knew it. And so we're pumped. He was pumped. You know, he's young. Jesus says, you're the rock, Peter. And, And this is, Jesus just smiles when we're young. He he knows we're going to totally exaggerate what he's trying to say. We've all gotten prophecies where in our mind it just went way beyond what Jesus meant, but Jesus smiles anyways. He's like, I didn't really mean it like that, but I love you. So he gets these prophecies. You're going to be the rock. You're going to be anointed. Peter, ooh, ooh, I'm, I'm going to be big. And then he starts to talk big. You know when you're kind of young and you're like, ooh, I got a, Jesus spoke to me. So he even puts Jesus in his place. Jesus speaks out of turn. Peter rebukes him. You're not going to die, Jesus. I know. You know, so he's just, he, Peter's got a lot going for him. He's a funny man. I can relate to him. Peter is so bold that when he sees Jesus walking, well, I'm going to do that. Gets out of the boat, you know, and he starts to sink. But hey, I commend the man. He tried and he did. The Bible says Peter walked on the water. So we're talking about someone that's zealous, okay? Zeal's not wrong. It's just zeal has to one day meet maturity. There has to be a zealous maturity put together. And, and Peter didn't, you know, we start where we start. The Lord's not mad about that. He's not frustrated. He just, we all start young. We all start immature. And the Lord's so tender. He knew Peter would over. You know, we think he was way more dedicated than he was. He knew he would take the prophecies the wrong way. He knew all these things, and yet he still faithfully just said, Peter, come after me. Follow me. I mean, I love that about Jesus. You know, when we're 18, 19, 20, 21, we're all a little bit older than that now, most of us. You know, you guys can relate. You know, you went through the prayer line and the fire tunnel, and someone said this thing, and, you know... I've, I've gotten words where I'm like, I've just got to be the greatest thing since the Lord then, you know, and you just kind of go with it. And then you realize eh, maybe that wasn't what he was saying. You know, for instance, sometimes someone will say, hey, you know, I feel the Lord saying healing ministry. And so we immediately think the greatest healing ministry in history. And the Lord just meant like you're going to have a small unseen healing ministry in in hospitals. (laughs) You know, it's not always the biggest, most visible thing. But so, you know what I'm talking about? I mean, we we tend to kind of take it way beyond what it is. And so, you know, that's kind of the zeal that we find in Peter. But then there came a day. There came that moment 
Jesus was trying to tell him, hey, you're going to falter. You're going to fall. Satan's even been, you know, coming after you. But I've prayed for you, Peter, but you're going to falter. But I'm going to restore you. Peter's like, none of that. I'm dedicated. I'm not going that route. Everybody else might, not me. But then it happens. In Matthew 26, not once and not twice, Peter denies Jesus three times, just like Jesus said he would. I mean, he made energetic, I do not know that man. And we kind of read that and kind of go, whatever. I mean, this is an apostle. I mean, imagine like Billy Graham on TV going, I renounce Christ. I mean, this is a big deal. This wasn't just a small, like run-of-the-mill, out-of-the-way kind of leader. This was, this was Peter. This is like second to Paul in the book of Acts. I mean, there was only one person more prominent than Peter, and that was Paul. I mean, we see Peter is leading things. The the book of Acts follows his leadership to about the 10th chapter, and then Paul kind of takes over the narrative, and he has the most eminent leadership in the church at that point. Although there was a number of key figures, but Peter and Paul are way up there. Peter renouncing Christ is the equivalent of someone very well known that we would go, oh my goodness, like, you know, the example I'm just making up because he's with the Lord and he's safe and secure now is Billy Graham. If Billy Graham got on TV at a crusade and says, guys, I'm done, it's just too hard. We'd be like, oh, Billy Graham can't make it. Who can make it? Peter denies Christ. This is a, it says in verse 75 of chapter 26, it's Matthew 26, Peter realizes he did the thing he said he wasn't going to do. He weeps bitterly. I mean, the, the Bible says this. He doesn't just weep. That's, that's intense. He weeps bitterly. And he begins to enter what you've probably heard called that dark night of the soul. That dark, dark place where, you know, we touch once or twice in our life. Where it's just like, you can't imagine when you're 18 what's coming. But there are pressures that we don't know about when we're young. There are curveballs that life throws at us. There's things that happen, and all of a sudden, oh my, I don't even know if I want to follow Jesus. And uh. He's weeping bitterly. He's devastated. We know he's devastated because what does he do? John tells us he goes back to his old job. He goes back to fishing, which is what he used to do. I am done. It hasn't worked out. My Savior's dead. I'm broken. I'm going back to just fish. And, you know, the older you get, the more you can relate. Like, I can see that happening. Because life is hard. Following Jesus has its challenges. And so if you stop there, that's a, that's a bad story. That's, ugh. But the good news, that's not where the story ends. We have this king, and he's full of compassion. He knows what we're going to go through ahead of time, and he still gives us the prophecies. He still says all those, and they're true. And he knows we're going to go through all the messes. And it's all valid still. He knows. But Peter doesn't know. Peter doesn't know this yet. Peter thinks, I've let him down. There's no way I have a chance to follow him at this point. And Jesus is just kind of rubbing his hands together. Ooh, I can't wait to do this next chapter. Because when you've hit rock bottom, I mean the deepest, darkest rock bottom, and Jesus is still on your side. Who can come against you then? If you can get all the way down there, And Jesus still loves you. And he's still committed to your greatness. I mean, who wouldn't want to follow this man? You know, a lot of world religions out there, they teach if you get to that dark place, that's it. Your dedication has failed. You're not good enough. Go your own way. Part with me. Jesus says, no, I love getting involved in that stuff. I love when you're in that, 
Because that's who you really are. That's who I saw the whole time. Is I, I knew that was in there. You just didn't know that was in there. Because we have this... We have this kind of this facade of like who we think we are. And Jesus goes, I know who you really are. I know those dark places. I know the dark seasons that will unfold and I'm still all in. We got to know the Jesus of Peter gang for real. We can't just know this Jesus that only accepts us when we're super strong. We have to have this Jesus of Peter who reaches down to us when we're at our absolute worst, darkest place, lowest point. I don't care what has gotten you. There could be trauma in your youth. It could be physical sickness, long-term illness, a depression. It was an unexpected death of a family member. Whatever has put you in a dark season, or, or you know, this could be in the future for some people, uh, could be persecution, a number of things. Anything can kind of throw us into this tailspin and all of a sudden we find ourselves in this dark place. Whatever, whatever, whatever it was, it, it's immaterial to the Lord. He, he's there for you. Amen. It's real. So Peter's fishing one day. And this is where the uh, story begins to turn. Go over to John 21. John chapter 21. Excuse me. I'm tempted to read the whole chapter. It's that good, but I'm not going to do that. John chapter 21, verse 3, Peter, I'm going fishing. It's over. (laughs) They said, we're going too. Now, it's okay to go fishing, but this this wasn't a weekend trip. This was Peter's, Peter's done. He's going back to his old job. What happens? You know, Jesus begins to show up. Oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. They catch nothing. They catch absolutely nothing. The Lord is just setting them up. I'm going back to my old job. How's it working out, Peter? Well, not so well so far. Then Jesus comes. They don't know it's him. And he's on the shore, they're out fishing, catching nothing, and I can just imagine Peter. He's, uh, he's so mad, he's so broken, he's so many mixed emotions. Oh, this thing just didn't work out. I thought this was the Messiah. I thought it was a Christ. Oh, and I, there's no fish today. I mean, he's just, just a, what's the word? Just all kinds of stuff happening. And then there's this guy on the shore that has the audacity to ask us, do we have any food? Who is that guy? You know, Peter's probably just a mess. Here's Peter and all the guys with him, and then there's someone on the shore. What, guys, what you got to do, you got to go to the other side of the boat. And I'm sure Peter's like, ooh, who is that guy? If he only knew what just happened in my life. Peter's probably just, again, I'm imagining a little bit of my own self in this story. If this was me, I'd be so messed up. I know how to fish. Whoever that is on the shore telling me to put the net on the other side of the boat, I know how to fish. (laughs) So Peter's like, I guess I don't got anything to lose. Haven't caught anything on this side. I'll put it on the other side. They were not able to draw the net in because of the multitude of fish. That's what happens when you, when you simply obey Jesus, even though it's not clear. When you simply obey, boom. There was this, we can't even haul the fish in. And that's when the lights come on, verse 7. The lights come on. That disciple whom Jesus loved, so this is you know the John writing this, John says to Peter, it's the Lord. And they kind of have that freak out moment. It's the, ah. Simon heard that it's that guy that was on the shore. What are you doing? You got any food? Put the net on the other side. You know, Peter was all mad at him probably. I would have been, who are you? Peter realizes that's 
the resurrected Christ. I mean, imagine all the things that are happening in his mind that, in that second. What? I thought you were, what, what's going on? Ah, I mean, I just, I denied you and, ah, and what? I mean, I just don't think we realize how crazy they, it was just crazy for them. So Peter hears it's the Lord. He, he put on his outer garment. He dives in. I'm not even going to wait for the boat to get, I'm going to just swim. The other guys, they, it's so like Peter. Everybody, well, we're just going to row back to Jesus. Peter, no, I'm diving and I'm going to swim. So Jesus and all of them, like, what do you say in that moment? They get to land. They have some, the fire's there. There's some bread. Bring me some of that fish that I, I let you catch. <laughs> what? Like when Jesus wants fish for breakfast, just, you know, Un, un, can't even count them all, all the fish like that's unfair like we go fishing you know for a weekend and catch two little mini catfish and think that's cool and this it's just not fair there's a point to all this he's revealing himself in a new way these disciples have never been here before what does Jesus do when I deny him what does he act like well, he's given me some fish. He's helped me. And that's when we get to that classic passage where it's all the guys together and Jesus looks at Peter with those eyes of fire. Simon, do you, do you love me? Ooh. You know I love you. He asks it three times. Not going to get into all that. We know the story. It's a beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Peter, do you love me? Yeah. Do you love me? Yeah. Lord, you know everything. I mean, what a statement. Lord, you know all things. You know my love for you is real, even though it's weak and immature. You know that. And Jesus goes, I do know that. I just want you to know that, Peter. I want you to know that. Because Jesus didn't need information. But Peter needed to hear Peter say, I love you, it's real. Sometimes we need to, we need to hear ourselves say that. Peter, I mean, Jesus is like, I'm not here for... I'm here so that you remember you love me even though it's weak. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. My love for Jesus and your love for Jesus, it is weak. At times it's broken. And we mess up, but it's still real. And He acknowledges it, that it's real. And when we go to a place that's dark, He doesn't let go of us. He kind of shows up on the shore. How about you put the net over there? Come on and eat breakfast. Remember, you love me. Let's do this. I know it's weak. I mean, I I, I knew you thought you were this and that. But now you know you're not, but just so you know, I still love you. And you love me, we're good. The man of God said, God loves me, I love God, I'm successful. So we get a lesson here. What does Jesus do when we blow it? He just says, you love me. I know it's sincere. He ends that little moment. He just says, Peter, now follow me. Feed my sheep. Feed my people. That's your calling. And follow me. You know, the older I get, I find myself needing this message and I find myself communicating this no matter what you've done or I've done I don't care how big you've blown it you can sign up again <laughs> Jesus takes it it's real I don't care if you've taken 10 years off I don't care if you went back to your old job fishing whatever whatever's gone on since that moment of denial or whatever Jesus says 
if you're in, I'm in still. I, I never abandoned you. Yeah, but this and but that. No, no. I love you. If you love me, let's do this. Now, what's amazing, that's the hinge. So after all that, that's where the story begins to turn and where it really ramps up is in the book of Acts. So you go, okay, Peter was this young, zealous guy. He hits rock bottom. Jesus restores him in this moment. The very next page is the book of Acts. I mean, this is not long after. You know, Jesus says, guys, go into Jerusalem. I want you to go into a prayer meeting and wait for the Holy Spirit to come. Zeke, I mean, he wants this mic. He's going to be preaching here one one of these days. I'm just going to go do a few minutes on letter Roman numeral four here. So we've got the backstory, then we got the turning point in the story, and now we have the rest of the story. There's so much we could say here, but the first thing I want to point out is is that Peter has been renewed and restored into this place of leadership. Jesus made it very clear, your calling is still valid. I want you to feed my lambs. In other words, you're going to pour into people, Peter. You're going to lead people. The, the, the game plan is not done. It's not, it's not over. I know you went through stuff, but we're moving on now. You, you're, you go lead now. And that's exactly what Peter did. It wasn't some false humility. Well, Lord, I've got to take 30 years off to kind of work up some goodness No, Jesus goes, you get right back in there and you be the apostle I've called you to be. Do that thing. Go. Work it. (laughs) And so we see, we see that the Lord has restored Peter, but Peter's different now. He's not just this zealous guy who's kind of big on himself and I'll even put the Lord in place if he gets a little too, if I don't like what he's saying. I mean, guys, let's be honest. Peter rebuked Jesus. In his earlier days, I mean, this, this isn't much longer after, but I mean, there was, a, there was a point where like he was doing that, which I find that quite humorous. I mean, if Jesus came in to preach here, imagine someone standing up, Lord, I don't know about that. It's Jesus. He's got good doctrine. Sit back down. You know, so... We see in Acts 1.15, in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples. And the, it says there was 120 in this gathering. Peter stands up, and the importance of that is, is he is the leader of this group that is now leading this move of God. He is the point person he is that guy. I mean, this isn't like, he isn't like a random person. Peter is the person that stands up and says, okay, guys, this is where we're going. And they, he oversees the transition from, they had to appoint another disciple. And so he oversees a leadership transition. And then he begins to oversee the transition from, from what we see in the Old Testament as to what we see playing out in the New Testament. He oversees this new plan of God, this new move of God. He begins to give leadership to this revival. So we see he steps up as a leader. Peter um, is now prominent and he begins to preach. We see the very next chapter, Peter's preaching how many people get saved. It says 3,000 get saved. So he stands up to lead, giving direction. Acts 2.41 Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. That's a good message. First message after he gets restored, the 3,000 people get saved. I'd like to see that in my lifetime. That happens in one moment with with Peter. So Peter is at a new level. There are so many things that it's just unbelievable. He was in the darkest point of his life like five seconds ago. And now it's Jesus works through it. 
exalts him back to his place of leadership. He's leading, he's preaching. In Acts 5.15, just keep going to the next passage. Acts 5.15, they were bringing the sick into the streets, laying them on beds and couches. Listen to this. They were hoping that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. There was such an anointing on this man's life. They were bringing the sick into the streets, hoping that, just see my shadow right here. They're trying to not just get by him. His shadow was healing people. Peter, just moment, just like days or weeks. I mean, it wasn't that long before Peter felt like a shadow of himself. He was in this dark place. Now his shadow's healing people. That's how quickly Jesus can turn things around. I mean, that's amazing to me. Peter didn't even know who he was. He wanted to quit. He did quit. And now this man who is a shadow of himself, he's walking by and the people go, oh, get into the street, Bill. There's his, ah, touch his shadow. I mean, that's amazing. See, here's the thing about the anointing. When you allow God to crush you and you go through that season of crushing, there's something that begins to, it's not like it's Christ comes out of us. So this man who had been crushed, he was walking through and Jesus was just all over his his life. I wish it was more comfortable to get Jesus on my life. I mean, I'm when we get saved, we fully have Jesus, but there's this when we follow the Lord and we go through these sufferings, we go through these dark seasons. And we quit and we sign up again and we quit and we say we go through that. There's something of the Lord that just exudes from our life. There's a fragrance. There's more. I don't know how to describe it. It's just the Peter after the denial is way more anointed. And I, 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 I mean, I can't explain it. So often we have to go through this stuff so that Jesus can put more of that on our life. I just, that's how it is. Like there's just a, there's a suffering that we go through and then there's just a glory on our life. I don't get it. It's just how it is. But now his, not just him healing people, but his shadow is healing people. Not only that, there was the story of this individual whose name was Dorcas. She dies. In Acts chapter 9, Acts chapter 9, verses 36 to 43. At Joppa, there was a certain disciple named Tabitha. This, which is translated Dorcas, says there in Acts 36. This woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, but she got sick and died. Great woman. Now she's dead. And it says this, they wash her, they lay her in the upper room. She's dead. I mean, she's not kind of unconscious. The Bible just makes clear, like the Bible makes clear Jesus was dead because some people have thought, well, maybe he was just sort of unconscious. No, he was dead. Really three days dead. Like, I like how the Bible does that because it's not like, oh, she was a little sleepy and unconscious. This woman died. They fully went through all the burial prep and all that. And then here comes Peter. Peter comes in there. It says he just kneels down and prays, God, please touch this woman. I mean, I don't even know what to do. They're all asking me to pray. Okay, I'm going to pray. Tabitha. Arise. Boom, eyes open. Sees Peter, sits up, gave her his hand. He lifts her up, and when he had called the saints and widows, he says, guys, she's alive again. I mean, what a moment. And then it says this, and it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed on the Lord because of that. 
here's the thing. Some people don't believe unless they see a dead man get raised back to life or a dead woman. Some people need to see that. And that's why those miracles continue to happen and we've got to believe for this stuff. If it's in the Bible, we believe for it. If it's there, it's real. I don't care how weird someone says it is. Some people believe when they see the dead get back up to life. That's our very Savior is the first fruits. Some I mean, throughout the book of Acts, people see healing. Okay, he's real then. Okay, I believe. Some people don't need to see it. Some people do. So this, this woman, I mean, just kind of look through the... Her dying and getting raised back to life becomes the means of which many get saved. And the, the person God uses is a man who used to be dead. He was so dead. He had quit completely and he's in a new other job. And God goes, I'm going to use that guy because no one will think it was Peter. They will know it was me through him. He was dead. So now this former dead man is being used to raise other people from death. And that's how God does it. He uses broken people that have been to that dark place. They're so dead, there's no one's going to think, well, that guy's so dedicated. No. Jesus goes, I love to use the broken who hit the most broken place. I lift them up and they just give glory to me through it all. Now we know this because there were many instances where Peter could have been like, whoa, guys, look at me. I mean, imagine presiding over the Ananias and Sapphira thing. Oh, that's heavy. You see no gloating there. You see no pomp and circumstance. He simply spoke the truth. Two people died. Heavy story. Jesus says, I can entrust that kind of situation to a Peter because he's so dead and broken, he's not going to be like, well, I can... If you lie to the Spirit, I will come and I will preach and you will die. You know, nothing like that. You know, some people read that story and it's... I don't know if you want that responsibility. Here's the thing. He was humble. Peter was so broken, he was just crushed. And so he, there was just this meekness now. There was this teachability. There was this lowliness. We see this in Acts 3, just a minute after he went through all this. One of the first miracles that Peter is used to do, remember they were going to prayer? They were on their way to prayer. Which, uh, which, which, uh, where am I at here? I'm getting mixed up. Peter, Acts 3.12, the lame man gets healed. It says, Peter and John were going to the temple at the hour of prayer. You remember this person that was at the temple, the gate called Beautiful? And there's this lame man, and what's Peter say? I don't got any money, but I got something worth more than money. The guy's like, well, I was hoping for a sandwich and a couple bucks, but what do you got? How about you're healed in the name of Jesus, rise up? I mean, that's that's a church service, Craig. Come on, man. I want to be able to say, look, I don't got money, but I got something way more priceless. I got Jesus. Come on, man. All the money in the world can't buy the anointing it can't buy what these they didn't have anything but jesus they they were just so broken all that came out of them was jesus i want to be there i mean i'd like a few bucks too i mean you you know but this is i love i mean this is like one of my new favorite verses i don't have silver i don't have gold but i have the name of jesus for you and man so he gets healed But what I really like about this story, this is the new Peter after he gets broken. This is what he says. Acts 3.12. Everybody gathers. Oh my goodness, this guy is healed. Peter, how did you do that? He goes, men of Israel, why are you marveling? Why do you look at us like we did it? Why do you look at me like it was my power or godliness or dedication? It was nothing but the name of Jesus. Peter's like, it's not my history because it's bad. It's not my dedication because I don't have any. 
Here's what it is. It's the power of Christ. It's His godliness. It was Jesus that did this. Don't look at us, look at Him. Guys, if God uses you or me to do anything of the supernatural, the miraculous, and people go, how did you do that? The answer is not, well, I prayed so long. I mean, we need to pray. We need to be dedicated. I mean, this man is amazing. But the answer is, it was this man named Jesus. There's no power in me. Anything that came out of me, it was him. I have 0% ability to heal anybody or raise anybody from the dead or inspire. or pr- Anything that is good that comes out of me, it's Christ. Amen. I mean, that's a great... Wow. Some people kind of want to get a little bit in on that. Well, I did this and just... It was Jesus, bro. It was him. I love this answer. It wasn't my power. It wasn't my strength. It wasn't my dedication. That's, it's so important. If revival comes to the town, it's not because the church here is amazing and powerful. It's because of the name of Jesus. He's just merciful. Like, I'm going to pray, Lord, send revival. But it wasn't because we were special. God just does things because he loves to do things. I mean, he does things because he loves people, but I'm, I'm telling you what, anything that God uses to do in our life, I mean, it's, it's just because he's good. I mean, <laughs> I mean, that's just how it is. Oh, I love this. Now you're ready for another one, the new Peter. Oh, my goodness. I'm bringing this to a close in a moment. How about this? So, you know, the Cornelius, the Cornelius situation. The angel comes to Cornelius, Cornelius, God loves you, but you need the gospel, so go to this man named Peter and this whole setup. It's so amazing. Acts chapter 10. Cornelius, he's this Roman centurion. He's God-fearing, but he still needs the gospel. So, you know, the angel gets involved. So he comes over to Peter. What does he do when he gets to Peter? He literally, he, he sees Peter and he just, oh, Peter. I revere you. You're an apostle. He gets down on his knees. What does Peter say? He goes, I'm a man just like you. Please get up. Don't do that. I'm just a man. That's it. I'm nobody special. There's nothing about me that is any different than you except that I know Jesus. In fact, my life is... I didn't even really stay... He reached down and brought me out of that dark place. That's my Jesus. It's, I'm not special. I mean, I just love that, like, if it were me, and this guy's like, oh, yeah, you know, I'd be like, well, oh, okay. (laughs) You know, Peter, there was no need for, Peter just goes, I am just a human being. I just love the new Peter. You know, we live in a world where it's, there's so many of these, it's the spirit of like, I got to be superior and, you know, and I just love that Jesus chooses people that are humble, lifts them up. I mean, it's like Peter sees Cornelius trying to bow down. Oh, no, he just lifts him up with his, get up, Cornelius. Stand up. I myself am also a man. And he talked with him. He went in and found many who had come together. Here's the thing. When Jesus has lifted us up, all we want to do is lift others up. We don't want to be superior to people. We just want to get down. Here, we're, we're the same. We're people. We're folk. We're both saved by grace. I couldn't earn anything. None of my dedication did anything. So, so that's the thing. When we've gone through these seasons of brokenness, it's like there's these things that... They're important. Now, Peter goes on, and he, you, you could see throughout the rest of the book of Acts, he, there was a time where Paul had to correct Peter. Peter kind of still had some, they all had issues. They're all human. We're all human. Peter was starting to kind of play like, well, the Jews and the Gentile, there was always debate about, you know, should you be associating with them? And so sometimes Peter would kind of be, I'm just going to be with my Jewish crowd. Not over there with those people. 
And so there was real, I mean, gang, here's the, the earliest leaders of the church had their struggles. They had their, their major gaffes. There was the things we struggle with today, they struggled with. It's the same. We're the same kind. We're all human. And Paul rebuked Peter for that, and, and, and it was right. But Peter was like, I, I take it. I was wrong. I know I'm called to be a leader, but I was wrong. There were times where Paul was wrong. At one point, he sternly rebuked the high priest. And they all said, you, you just said that to the high priest. Oh, I didn't know. Ah, sorry. You know, there were, there's times where we just have to do that. I mean, he called him a whitewashed wall. I don't know how bad of a word that was back then, but apparently it was very disrespectful. You whitewashed wall. That's ah, a high priest. Peter, he was corrected by Paul, and he was also, he was okay with Paul being more prominent. Peter helped start the whole revival, and now here comes this former persecutor who killed some of Peter's friends, and now the Lord's exalting him even above the ministry of Peter, and he sends Paul to have this prominence. And Peter's like, that's okay with me. It's not about his past. It's just the calling of God on his life. I support that. You know what's really neat is when we can lift people up and see them go higher than us. Amen. Peter was probably in some of the prayer meetings praying for Saul. My kids just learned about him this week. And now this man who is now saved now is going to take the church to a new dimension. Paul's going to write the book of Romans. He's going to write Ephesians and Galatians. I mean, he's going to write some serious scripture. And Peter's like, well, I'm going to do a few to just, I'm going to, I'm going to do some too then. <laughs> sure, it wasn't like that. But I say all this tonight because we serve the same Jesus Peter did. And if you're ever in that dark place, maybe you're there, maybe you're, you'll be there in a year or ten, or maybe it's in your past, you know, one or two or three touch our life, you know, really dark seasons. But we have to remember the Jesus of Peter. He reaches down to that dark, he doesn't forget about us. And he, 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 it's like he says, do you still love me? I still love you. If you still love me, let's go. You know, there's so much debate this day and age about, well, so-and-so did that, and, you know, can they be restored, and this and that. And, and I just, I look at Scripture, and I just see a very merciful God who lifts people up when they're broken, and, and He says, let's do this. You know, um, I think every situation needs to have discernment and all that, but and if you look at the ministry of Jesus, it was messy. It was way more messy than we prefer. I mean, there was the Judas thing, and then there's the Peter, and then they all fled, and then he restored. I mean, every one of the apostles fled and denied Christ. Every one of them. And one of them took his own life. I mean, we don't like to talk about this stuff, but that following Jesus is messy. Community's messy. Yeah. But we serve this sympathetic Jesus who restores people because sometimes we make a huge mistake or two and Jesus says it's still on okay if you're sincere if you love me it's on so I want to be that guy that partners with people to like yeah it's been a hard five ten years whatever but one last thought this is in Peter's writings. Peter wrote first and second Peter toward the end of his life. And you know what? Since I'm preaching, I won't be able to find the uh, I won't be able to find the verse because I'm, I'm I'm up here preaching. It's going to be hiding from me. Thank you, Holy Spirit. First Peter two seven. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. After a lifetime of ministry, what does Peter say? This man is precious to me. He restored me. 
When I was most broken, he lifted me up. He taught me how to walk right and treat people well. This man is precious to me. Let's do the same. Let's keep going. I want to say at the end of my life what Peter said, this man is precious to me. After all I've been through, he's been the one that's carried me. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your son Jesus tonight. We thank you for this incredible Savior. The same way you restored and lifted up Peter, you do for us. And tonight, we just ask Holy Spirit, make that real to our hearts. Maybe someone in this room, maybe someone on Facebook or someone on listening to the recording will really need this. Holy Spirit, make it real to them. And let them know, even in the darkest night of the soul, you're, you're with them. And you're going to carry them through. And they're going to be stronger because of what they've gone through. Help us to be a ministry. Help us to be a citywide church that restores people like Jesus does. That, that sees people through, go through a dark night of the soul and say, you know what, it's still on. Let's go after the Lord together. We thank you for this word. Holy Spirit, may it just continue to touch our hearts this weekend. And into the following week, Lord, let us see your compassion and your sympathy and your love like never before, O God. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Amen. For more messages like this one, please visit our online teaching library at gphop.org teachings. If you found this free material helpful in your walk with God, please prayerfully consider a generous donation. To give, please visit gphop.org slash donate. That's gphop.org slash donate. Thank you, and may the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you today.